0: Good afternoon, everybody. This is another edition of the Passball Show brought to you by JohnPLA.com as well as St. Aloysius Church and School in Jackson, New Jersey. Lots of stuff we're going to get into today in the world of baseball, sports, and unifying America. A little bit we'll touch on what I see as predictions in regards to the upcoming NFL football season. Hopefully, everybody finished up their fantasy football drafts. I know there's still some of them going on during the week. Because there's a lot of leagues that want to wait until they get to the very end or the very last possible time. You got that ACL list as it exists. It keeps growing by the day. Of course you had Jarek McKinnon end up tearing his ACL out for the season in San Francisco. So that obviously is going to impact different ways that you're going to choose to draft. And now you now you start to think of the season, the way it's set up. And it's it's interesting to me because a lot of times, we get these predictions completely wrong. And all you have to do is just go back to where it is in regards to baseball. Uh, I mean, it's so easy to say the league was so top-heavy this year, but it's not. And, and then you see what ends up, what ends up happening. I mean, you know, football is going to go the exact same way. You're gonna everybody's gonna have all this belief in all these top teams. We're gonna look at the Philadelphia Eagles and the New England Patriots, the two teams that were in the Super Bowl last year, and say, hey, it's a guarantee that those are the two best teams in the National Football League. And then by the time we get to the playoffs, we're gonna be talking about two different teams or three different teams or a series of of other teams that we don't have the belief that or maybe didn't have the belief coming into the season. Just to talk about today. And we spent a lot of time talking about the baseball kind of races, talking about teams' outlooks, pretty end of the season going into next year. But I was thinking real deeply the other day about where Major League Baseball has fallen from where it was years ago. In other words, if you think of the word inclusion, which there's going to be a different meaning in the last topic that I talk about today, I'm going to bring up the word inclusion again. But right now, it means something different. And we're talking about sports right now in regards to playoff races and opportunities to make the playoffs. In other words, if you go from the years, and I'm not going to bore you to death with baseball history right now, but I'm going to a time where a lot of people at least understand, can hear where I'm coming from, and know that this is a fact that things were the way they were then. From the years of 1901 to 1960, and in the National Leagues from 1901 to 1960, Major League Baseball, both the American and National Leagues, had exactly eight teams in each league. Your chance of getting to the playoffs consisted on your willingness or ability to win your respective penny and win your respective league. There was no wild cards. There was no divisional play. It was a one in eight chance, which we know it was kind of, you know. Graduated to be a little bit bigger for other teams. You think about the New York Yankees' prominence at that time. Obviously, the odds that the Yankees would win the pennant on a given year, particularly in the years of 1947 and 1964, you know, was certainly much more than that of the second division teams or the lesser teams. The Washington Senators obviously didn't have as much of an equal chance to win the American League pennant every year. First in Washington, last in the American League. But the point that I'm getting to is from 1969 on, the best team in each respective league is not rewarded for being the best team in each respective league. Prior to 1969, when there was no divisional play, the team that finished with the best record in each league was rewarded with a guarantee of getting themselves to the World Series and having a chance to play in the World Series. Maybe not win, but at least they get a chance to go there by virtue of the best record that they had in their respective leagues. It's obviously not the case now. We could talk about the many disadvantages that exist for teams that end up doing very well. The Boston Red Sox, sure, the pace that they were around the All-Star break is not quite what it is right now. Maybe they're not going to win 110 games or 115 like people thought that they would to eclipse or tie the 2001 Seattle Mariners for the most wins in a Major League Baseball season. But they have a very special season, a very good season, and one that should be remembered, not just from the players and coaches and the fans of Boston, but certainly for the city and its place in baseball history for the historic regular season that they're having. What's their reward for it? They're not getting anything special. Yes, they have home field advantage throughout the American League playoffs. And with the new rules changes to not have the all-star game determine what team has home field advantage in the World Series, the Red Sox will likely have home field advantage in the World Series. To me, that's not enough. There's no advantage from having the best record in a respective league or best record in and anything outside of the division. Now, understand, and I get it, it's set up to be that, hey, if you don't win your division, you're going to have a much tougher path to the playoffs. And it's obvious. It's very obvious that it is set up that way. The New York Yankees, who have the second-best record in the entire American League, are going to have to pay the price for not being able to win the division. Now, there's still a chance crazier things have happened. Think about the 1964 St. Louis Cardinals, the, nine, the 2000... Seven Philadelphia Phillies, teams that were thought by any chance were not going to make the postseason, ended up winning their divisions. Yes, stranger things have happened before, but the expectation at this very moment is that the Boston Red Sox should finish considerably ahead enough of the New York Yankees, and because of that, because of that virtue, get the chance to wait it out as the Yankees play likely the Oakland Athletics, and if they end up beating them, then you have a series set up between the Red Sox and the Yankees. And like I had mentioned a couple weeks ago, all of a sudden, that advantage or that credit that you want to give to the Boston Red Sox for winning 100 games, 105 games, 110 games, 115 games, all of a sudden goes by the wayside and it doesn't matter. The Boston Red Sox, for all their hard work, for all their results they got over the course of a 162-game baseball season all of a sudden are not reaping any part of the reward for the amount of wins that they have. Because all of a sudden they're playing in a division round against a wild card team, and if it happens to be the New York Yankees, all of a sudden the pressure is going to be on the Boston Red Sox to win the best of a five series. Now, from the Boston Red Sox standpoint, of course, a lot has to do with what has happened over the last couple seasons. The Red Sox won the American League East in 2016, did the same thing in 2017, and didn't make it past the divisional round in the playoffs. Now, if they do that again and lose to their dreaded rival, the Yankees, it's, really, it's going to look even worse and kind of throw more water on what could have been considered a historic season. So, going back to what I was thinking about before. We're talking about division formats from 1901 to 1960 in the American League, 1901 to 1961 in the National League, before the first level of expansion. The first level of expansion brought two teams to the American League in 1961, two teams to the National League in 1962. So from 1961 in the American League, 1962 in the National League, through 1968, there were 10 teams in each league. 1969, you get two more expansion teams in each league. And because of that, Major League Baseball decides for the first time to go to divisional play, six teams in each division, as opposed to one out of eight or one out of ten teams getting the opportunity to get to the postseason. Obviously, as time has gone by, there's been more expansion. They've gone from two to three divisions. There's gone from zero wild cards to now two wild cards in each league. And it just doesn't seem, it seems like no matter what the decision to do is, It's always going to be leaving something out, and it seems like every time another postseason team is added, there is less reward for winning an entire league. Now, I don't think I'll be able to solve the problem with my proposal here, but my proposal, I'll be honest, it was well thought out. You may dislike it right off the bat. But it was a whole series of ideas that I thought about in regards to how do we set things up to reward the team that had the best record in the league. I suggest going back to four divisions. And the way that we're going to get back to four divisions is something that is also very inevitable and very much expected is going to happen over the course of the next couple of years. And that is expansion. To add one more team to each one Of the leagues, one new American League team, one new National League team, and I'm suggesting going from six divisions or three divisions in each league to four divisions or two divisions in each league. Now, what does it have in common with something that I said before? Remember, I you know from the year up through 1960 and through 1961 in the National League, Major League Baseball had eight teams in each league, which meant. That you were playing in an eight team league, you had an opportunity to win net, you know, come up as the best team in that league, and you were the only team that was getting rewarded for your success. Second place got you nothing. So, my proposal eight four team divisions, and set up the play to where you're going to be playing a majority of your games in division. Now, Major League Baseball is doing that right now, so they're on point. You play your division rivals, each of the four teams in your division right now, 19 times. My proposal would include 16 games out of each one of the seven teams in your division. You play the other teams in your league six times each. And then you play an interleague series, two home and two away, against a random team from the other league. Now, listen, we could have a discussion about how you feel about interleague play in Major League Baseball. You may like it. You may not like it. You may like those rivalry games, Mets, Yankees, Cubs, White Sox, Dodgers, uh, you know, Angels, stuff like that, Rays, Marlins. I, I know, I'm, I'm joking around here a little bit. Some of, the, some of the matchups are a little bit wacky. You know, you got, you know, Philly against Boston. You know, you, you, it, it's just not set up to where every team has a natural rival. So do some people enjoy interleague play, enjoying the chance to see the St. Louis Cardinals play the Oakland Athletics once you know, every eight years or something like that? And I think that would add more intrigue to the games. We're talking about interleague play to say, hey, it's the Phillies against the Detroit Tigers. They haven't played an interleague play in 10 years. It would add some intrigue to it. If I'm a fan of either one of those teams, I'd want to go see a matchup either in Philadelphia or Detroit because it's something that we haven't seen too often. Right now, interleague play is so saturated. It's so watered down. We have it thrown in front of our faces all the time. And what baseball is kind of coming to is where you can't tell the difference between the American League and the National League, which not to change subject. Maybe there's reasons why. all all baseball should be run under one set of rules in regards to the designated hitter. Obviously, you know, they're not going to take the DH away from the American League. Obviously, I've been a proponent of pitchers having the opportunity to hit, but I'm understanding that the times are changing, and I'm a little more open-minded to see a designated hitter in a National League, especially if there's not going to be any difference in the leagues, especially if interleague play is going to be thrown right in front of our face, all the time it just gets a little annoying there's a little bit too much of that and when you don't know the difference between the american and national league and let's be serious you got you, you got a younger generation of baseball fans that are growing up right now and really can't tell you that much about what the difference between american league and national league baseball is they feel yeah there's different names to different leagues you know and forget about the history aspect which i've ranted for for years about the fact that you know people don't take pride in baseball history anymore baseball history is almost being forgotten and sometimes i feel like i was sent from one above to remind people about what baseball history is about and what baseball history stands for but you know as i kind of get off topic here we're talking about the possibility of changing the baseball division format to set it up to where the team with the best record maybe not the team in all of baseball, but the team in each league gets a reward for having the best record in our respective league. Now if you have a four division format, of course you have to reward the four teams, regardless of their record, regardless of their placement in the league, for having the best record in that division. And the best way to ensure that is to have as many games within division as possible. So if you set up 16 games, by, to, by your seven division rivals, that equals 112 of your regular season games. So you're only playing 50 games the rest of the year outside of your own division. So the cream likely will rise to the top. And you won't, and, and you uh, obviously, in some rare examples, There'll be some, you know, mishappenings or misrecords, records or, you know, you'll have certain teams in certain divisions that are just so bad to lose all their games against a particular division. I understand how it could get lopsided over a little bit of time, but my concern is, is to make sure that there's, for each one of these 18 divisions, you have exactly the right amount of time to play your own division rivals. Play the same amount of games against every one of your rivals and have it... Be almost two-thirds of your season which is the way that it'll be set up so what else do I add to it of course eight teams in one division one team out of those four divisions are going to win that respective division. Obviously, one team out of those two teams that both win a division are going to have the best record in its entire league. Again, one team out of those four division winners will have the best record in all of Major League Baseball, and this is all going to count. Why is this all going to count, everybody? Because you're going to bring the wild card format in there, and a the wild card format, of course, is set up to first punish the teams that were not good enough to win their own division so you got the two best teams in each league that did not win their division they're playing each other they're playing a one game playoff just like it's set right now with the opportunity to do what with the opportunity to play in a best of five series that division winner that didn't finish with the best record in the entire league so Right it, right there, you have the team that has the best record in its respective league rewarded by essentially getting a bye in a division round. Because the other division winner that didn't quite have the best record in the entire league has got to play in a best-of-five game series, that wild card winner, in a, in a best out of one. The other caveat I'm going to throw in there, and I hope you follow me to this point, I'm going to put a piece together, and I'll actually have it all written out exactly. How I have this how I have this plan, and how I have this set up. The other caveat that I'm going to throw in there, because you say, what is the difference between that team that wins that losing division and one of those wild card teams outside of having to play that one game? Well, here's the other thing I'm going to throw in there. That team that wins that best of one wild card game, winner take all that is not a division winner, understands that if they win that game and they go to the next round, that best-of-five-game series, every single one of those five games, if it goes to five games, will be played on the road. So that team that wins the division gets a berth in the divisional round and also has the ability to play all five of those games, if it goes that far, in a best-of-five at home. So in this situation, you're actually setting up to where the teams that finish with the best record get the biggest reward. And I think that's the way that we should lean towards. Now, does that contract us in regards to one in each league team that's not going to make the postseason? Yes. But I also think you're looking at a sport that used to have two teams out of 16 that made the entire playoffs. So you're talking about you know seven out of eight teams, or 87% of the league would not be playing in the postseason. Now you have it set up to where it's 33% of the league makes the playoffs. So if you cut back a little bit, I don't think it's that much of an issue. But I think playoff baseball would be just as exciting, and you'd see a team like the Boston Red Sox, who strive to be the best team in all Major League Baseball, maybe make a push to have the most wins at any team in Major League Baseball history, but at least understand that there's some kind of reward from it. I don't think there is. And in fact, the Red Sox may very well be in a disadvantageous position because if the Yankees win the wild card game, they got to play the Red Sox. The Red Sox are playing the Yankees, who likely will finish with the best record in the entire American League in Major, maybe Major League Baseball. And I I, I have an issue with that. What, What did the Red Sox work so hard to do to win as many games as they're going to win this year? And I don't care if it's the Red Sox. It could be any team that you want to name. The 2001 Seattle Mariners. They didn't get any advantage by winning 115 games. They played in a division series game or round against the New York Yankees and were bounced right out of the playoffs. And that was it. They were done. But at least if you take the team with the best record almost give them a bye to get to the league championship series you could have those two teams with the best record playing each other really hard as the season's getting done and if you want to know who i'm feeling in regards to you know division alignment i think it's pretty easy AL East will be yankees red sox blue jays orioles rays and then we'll bring back the tigers indians and a team that we're going to put in nashville The American League West will be Athletics, Rangers, Astros, Angels, Mariners, Twins, Royals, White Sox. The NL East will be Mets, Nationals, Phillies, Marlins, Braves, Pirates, Reds, and a return of the Montreal Expos. And the National League West will be Dodgers, Giants, Rockies, Diamondbacks, Padres, Brewers, Cubs, and Cardinals. So once again, the team that ends up winning the division, you got four division winners, Outside of that, the two best teams in the entire league, and I'm not going to make it division-centric, if there's two teams in the same division that happen to have the second and third best record, or I'm sorry, the third and fourth best record, or whatever, in the top four in in, in the entire league, they're going to play a one-game playoff. The winner of that one-game playoff will go on the road for a best-of-five series against the division winner that had the lesser of the two records. So... That wild card team, yes, they got to play a game to get in, but they also have to play, if they win, between three and five games on the road against the division winner that didn't have the best record in all of Major League Baseball. The winner of that plays the division winner that had the best record in the entire league, almost a throwback over the way Major League Baseball was between the years of 1901 and 1960 in the American League and 1901 and 1961 in the National League. So I'll throw some more ideas. Like I said, I'll put it more in writing if you want to read it over. If you're just hearing me ramble about it and I'm not being clear enough, maybe that's possible, whatever. I'll have it in writing. I'll put it in a blog post probably before the end of the day. Next thing I wanted to talk about, you got... You know, the Thursday's game as we're getting set for another National Football League season, and pretty much what I teased when we started, there's no idea in regards of what's going to happen when we're looking at this season. How many people had to fill it out the Philadelphia Eagles winning in the Super Bowl this year, and now they're looked at like they're 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 legends. They look like they're locked to win another Super Bowl. They're locked to win the NFC East. And we know it's a little bit, you know, kind of a a reward for what they did last year. And let's be serious. The Houston Astros, who won the World Series in Major League Baseball last year, were looked at, and are looked at as the season has started and is almost finished in the regular season, the favorites to win the World Series again. And that's what happens when you win. And if you win consistently, you're probably more of a compound favorite. People are still looking at the New England Patriots, a team that you know, could have won the Super Bowl last year and you know fell a little short against the Philadelphia Eagles, but for the most part is putting up a top team year after year, is winning their division every year, has got a very good chance of getting to the Super Bowl and has proven it in their past every single year. Is this the year that things might change? That you could say, finally... There might be a team in a division, in the the American Football Conference, in the AFC East that could finish with a better record than the New England Patriots, and I still, in spite of all that, don't believe it. And I look at projections, and I tell you, projections are very interesting because what projections show is the popularity of that team coming into a given season. Now, it doesn't mean that the fans of that particular team are better or more passionate than other fans. But, you know, there's a popularity that exists in regards to what the perception is of the talent that exists on that given roster. For instance, the New England Patriots, according to CBS Sports, are projected to have a 94.2% chance of winning their division, a 96.7% chance of getting to the postseason. Well, in a league that you talk about the ACL list as it exists every week, you talk about injuries, you know, having such a prolific role in the sport, I would say, you know, 96% chance or 97% chance of making the playoffs might be a little high. And the reason I talk about numbers, obviously, I like the bet. I like playing odds. You know what? I may get some good odds about New England not making the playoffs. Do I think it's going to happen? No. But I also... Think it might not be a bad investment to throw a couple bucks on, ten, twenty dollars, yeah, now if you want. I'm sure the odds of the Patriots not making the playoffs are going to pay pretty good money if for some reason they don't. You know you got Baltimore and Pittsburgh who are favorited in the North. You got everybody's jumping on the Jacksonville bandwagon, which I'm going to touch on in a little bit. And then you got almost a you know a group of people that are kind of coming in favor of the L.A. Chargers. They've become kind of that sleeper team. They've kind of become in a league where there's always that team that didn't really earn very much, but is getting a lot of credit. That's the LA Chargers in the AFC West. You, know, you got Philadelphia, obviously, like I just said, going to have great odds of winning the division. Any NFC East, the NFC Central. You know, Minnesota, not as much odds as I thought that they would have. Uh, some people are may not be believing. In Kirk Cousins, and then you got the NFC South, which is always very competitive, um, New Orleans, a little bit of a favor over Atlanta and Carolina, and in the West, it's amazing. You know, as many people have jumped on to say it, the Los Angeles Chargers bandwagon this year, you know, the projections are saying that maybe the San Francisco 49ers don't make the postseason this year, let alone compete for the division. As we hit the halfway point here on the Passball Show, it's a reminder that the program is brought to you by JohnPLA.com as well as St. Aloysius Church and School in Jackson, New Jersey. A couple more sponsors will be joining the team within the next week or so. And we got the phone line here. Exactly seven calendar days from today. We're going to get it hooked up. Um, so we'll be able to take phone calls, do interviews, the whole thing. Um, another thing I wanted to mention, we are back into the world of soundcloud which i did a lot of my interviews and recorded them on soundcloud years ago now my stream has always been available but we're also going to start starting today to stream the program on soundcloud the rss feed has been sent to itunes for approval so hopefully within the next week or so we'll be able to download the Passball show podcast on itunes so that's pretty exciting and one thing I wanted to do, because I'm gonna to have to label each one of the shows, and I figured what's a little bit better than just labeling the shows as far as the date that they were produced, give each show a number. And I had to total it up the other day because I had 200 two shows that I did under the old format where we weren't doing video. And about a year or so ago, and we're probably looking a little less than a year, we brought the show back full time and we we're doing as many as five shows a week and I totaled them all. So what do I have right now? We have a total of 356 pass ball shows. So when you're when you're looking up the pass ball show on iTunes, I, I may at some point be able to dig up the shows all the way back to show one. But today is the 356 Passball ball show that we've done since 2011. So uh, obviously, as you, you think about that, um, I'm grateful for everybody who has taken the time to listen, even if it's for a minute. Even if you just turned it on and, and said, hey, John, I, I did listen to your show and turned it off right away before I could even say a word. I'm grateful for everybody that has taken the time to be part of the show. And obviously, over the time, we've had some very good contributors. We've had people that you know are, are consistently putting their points of view out there. There's people that you know argue with me, don't argue with me, but... The most important thing is to keep discussion going. And not just as it relates to sports, but about all things going on in this country. And I know we obsess too much with politics. If there's a way possible, you know, people can somehow get away from that. I'd love it, but you know what? I'm not going to tell people what to do. But conversing, throwing ideas out there, strengthening one's mind. That's what discussion is about. And I always said sports were the greatest... Thing that was created because it keeps people away from problems and things that aren't going right in one's life you can almost talk to talk about it as a sanctuary you could say hey life sucks and it does for some people it does for a lot of people but you know you could go into the world of sports whether you're listening to a game on a radio watching a game on TV or even conversing in something like this you know talk radio interaction And just chatting about sports and all of a sudden your problems at least temporarily will go away at some point yes you'll have to deal with them at some point you're you're gonna have to answer to the things that aren't going on right in your life but for a moment you can kind of hide behind the entertainment aspect or the interesting topics that exist in the world of sports so As we have gone on this rant and gotten completely far away to the topic that we were talking about, I was going to give you some NFL previews. So We'll start by working our way backwards. We started out by mentioning the AFC East. We'll do the AFC East last, and we'll start with the NFC West. Last year, people were given really little credit or possibility. To the Los Angeles Rams, that they could go on a run, they could win their division, and potentially make a run in the postseason. And now, because they did that, it's a guarantee they're going to go back. Now, Seattle has certainly taken a step back. They still have Russell Wilson, who was a top five quarterback in the NFL. If you were dealing with fantasy football drafts, probably one of the top three or four quarterbacks taken. And Seattle, though they don't have the Legion of Boom anymore, still have a presence. And I think you're looking at a team that could win 8, 10, maybe even 11 games this year. The San Francisco 49ers, who I thought would be more of a prohibitive favorite, I thought that people would jump on the Jimmy Garoppolo bandwagon and you'd see a new team that all of a sudden people are jumping behind. 49ers didn't make the playoffs last year, so odd makers are going to be down on them. I believe a little more in the 49ers than the odds makers do, so how would I run this out there but you know I don't want to go with that same conventional route of the Rams won the division last year the Rams are gonna win the division this year so I'm gonna go in this order I got the Seattle Seahawks winning the division followed by the San Francisco 49ers LA Rams and Arizona Cardinals. So that's going to be the West. Seattle's winning the division. Let me move to the AFC South. And that, that, could be a, that could be a very interesting division for a lot of reasons. A lot of people are believing in the New Orleans Saints, thinking that maybe this could be the last run that Drew Brees has. You know, Maybe his last run to the Super Bowl. And I get it. But I also think that we are this menacing, uh, diminishing the value of the Carolina Panthers, and I think the Panthers have an opportunity this year to kind of play on some ground where not a lot of people are predicting that they're going to do well. I think this is a team that could get off to a very good start, pretty similar to Seattle, and I'm going pretty much with the same formula in this division. I'm backing away to what all the experts are telling me and thinking about teams that are going to maybe have an advantage from being a little bit under the radar. And you, know, you look at the Falcons, they were in the Super Bowl a couple years ago, the expectations with the Saints, and obviously the Buccaneers not looking very good. So I'm going Carolina, New Orleans, Atlanta, and Tampa Bay. Now go to the NFC North. I think the Chicago Bears are going to have a little bit more to prove this year. This is a team that's been bad for the last couple of years. Obviously maybe the acquisition of Khalil Mack, which I think is going to make a difference. I think they're going to be more competitive in division games with the Mack acquisition alone. A lot of thought has been thrown behind Aaron Rodgers coming back with Green Bay. Maybe he's got another big year in him. Minnesota getting to the NFC Championship game last year. So they're obviously going to be the favorite. But I look at it and I say, hey, maybe Detroit's not getting enough credit. Maybe they'll have a surprise season. Chicago maybe isn't getting the credit that they deserve. But this is, to me, it's a little bit harder to go behind a team like Detroit or a team like Chicago. Certainly Chicago seems like they're another probably full year away. I haven't seen enough out of the quarterback. I do think they got two very good running backs, some very good skilled players, and a good defense. But I think they're another year away. Detroit, I think, can compete. They can get themselves in that eight and eight, nine and seven range. But I do think the division's gonna come down to Green Bay and Minnesota. And I can see Aaron Rodgers and the Packers pulling it off. Minnesota finishing in second place, and I'm going to go with a little bit of a surprise here. I'm going to say Chicago finishes third, and Detroit finishes fourth. So I got Green Bay, Minnesota, Chicago, Detroit. Finally, the NFC East. Yeah, I've asked myself this question, and you could go at it. One thing that I realized right off the bat, and my first prediction that I was going to make, not not because of the entire NFC, but because of all of the National Football League, is that the Philadelphia Eagles will not win the NFC East. I could have said that before I said anything else, because I believe the hype is going to get so high for this team, they're going to be expected to run off this chain of Super Bowls, which they've never done before, and teams just naturally don't do. And think about teams that come out of the NFC, whether they win the Super Bowl or just lose in the Super Bowl. It seems to be a little bit of a rotation. You didn't have until Seattle made it to those back-to-back Super Bowls that you could say we have anything recent as far as a team that put a continuous run out there, whether they won or lost in the Super Bowl, but just to get there in consecutive years. So my question, who was I going to believe in if I wasn't going to take the Philadelphia Eagles to win this division? Washington, I think they're going to surprise some people. Alex Smith is a very good game manager. I think he may actually turn out to be an upgrade over Kirk Cousins. Now, the question is, you know, what type of talent does that team have against the rest of its respective league? And he obviously got the Giants. Decided they're going to go in this year. They made the trade for Oval They made some other moves. Nate Solder, they made the draft picks of Saquon Barkley and Will Hernandez, and they, they look to be making a run to the postseason this year. So can I take the Giants? And obviously, listen, if I'm going to play odds, I'd probably get a good buck if I threw $20 down on the Giants making the playoffs. I'd probably, you know, I, I'd at least quadruple that. You know, probably at least get about, you know, 8 to 10 to 1 odds, maybe You know, know, put some good money behind it and end up getting a nice little bit of a reward. The Dallas Cowboys still not believing it, so my shock that I'll take in a National Football Conference will be that the Giants will win this division, and I think they'll they'll it'll be close. And I'm not going to you know diminish Philadelphia and say that they are not going to do anything. They're going to finish second. I'll go Dallas third, Washington fourth. So I got four division winners in the NFC Seattle, Carolina, Green Bay, and the Giants. I got to pick two playoff teams. And I'm not going to take the bait and take the 49ers. I'm not going to take the bait and say it's going to be the Saints. I'm actually going to go with Minnesota and Philadelphia, the two teams that won, that made it to the championship game last year. So, Seattle, Carolina, Green Bay, Giants, Minnesota, Philadelphia. you want me to rank them 1 through 4, I'm going to go with Green Bay, Carolina, Seattle, Giants, uh, Minnesota 5, Philadelphia 6. And we'll hold off on Super Bowl predictions for another show during the week. Let's knock out an AFC series of predictions right now. As we look at the NFC and, you know, I guess one of the things that I've had a history of doing is kind of going against the norm of what's expected. And we'll start with the AFC West because I think it's probably going to be the most competitive division in the entire league. I think you got some very good teams. A lot of gravitation has been put towards the L.A. Chargers. I think people are taking a step back and not really believing in the Kansas City Chiefs. I think that's a little bit of a mistake. Uh, People are down on the Oakland Raiders because maybe they believe that the time has passed John Gruden and he may not be as successful in this type of environment with the league the way it's set up right now. And I'm thinking two teams that I think are better than the other two teams. And I'm going to go with the Kansas City Chiefs to win this division. A lot of it's going to have to do with their quarterback I think Patrick Mahomes is the real deal. I also believe that the skilled position players around him are going to make it very easy for Mahomes to transition into what will be a very tough league. But I think the Chiefs could finish with more wins than anybody else in that division. I think Oakland can finish second with Sandy. Oh, I'm sorry, Los Angeles, a close third. Of course, Denver will be in last. The AFC South. A lot of people are riding that Jacksonville bandwagon. Now, listen, they committed the money to Blake Bortles. Their defense obviously is very sharp. So the expectation should be that the Jacksonville Jaguars should defend their division title. And I'm telling you, I just don't believe enough in this quarterback. Now, if if I believe that I don't have enough faith in the quarterback, do I have a faith in a quarterback in that division? And there's one quarterback that stands out to me that is leaps and bounds better than the other ones. And that is Deshaun Watson. And assuming that Deshaun Watson is healthy, I think that Houston team is going to be very good. I think their defense could be superior to Jacksonville. I think the skill players that they have around Watson are going to be able to put points on the board. And though a part of me... Despises the Houston Texans franchise. I never wanted to see the Houston Oilers leave there and go to Tennessee. Obviously, it's not the Houston Texans' fault. You know, you give you know the people like Bob McNair in that community in that area some credit for getting themselves another NFL franchise. But I still don't want to root for the Houston Texans. But I'll tell you this: I got them winning the AFC South, and not only that. I'm going with Tennessee to finish in second place in that division. I think Marcus Mariota is in a position where he's going to have to prove whether he could be the man to run that offense, to run that team, to be that central point of reference when it comes to the definition of the Tennessee Titans. He's going to have to prove it this year, but I think Derrick Henry is in for a big year. Corey Davis is in to stand up and be that big play wide receiver, that absolute number one. And I think defensively they're good enough. So I'm looking at Jacksonville and I'm saying that they are going to be a third place team. And then of course we got Indianapolis. Of course, people are down on them and I will and because I don't believe that Andrew Luck is healthy enough to be a big factor in this division. Very good quarterbacks. Blake Bortles may be the number four and maybe by a mile. Not believing enough in luck to stay healthy. And I'm certainly not believing enough in Blake Bortles to lead that Jacksonville franchise Victor. Now, I look at the AFC North. And Le'Veon Bell maybe decides to hold out all season. See how it works out. I mean, he may not want to risk himself. He wants to get that big contract, that what you call in basketball, if this was the NBA, that Max contract. He's tired of being franchised. He may not suit up for the opener when the Pittsburgh Steelers start their season against Cleveland. How many people are believing in the Cleveland Browns? Baker Mayfield looks like he may be a legitimate quarterback for them. They added some skill players. This is a team that very gradually is getting better. And then you look at the Baltimore Ravens. have a very solid defense. Joe Flacco getting up there in years, sure. He's going to be pushed a little bit by Lamar Jackson. Probably not enough to see Jackson on the field this year. And then you look at the Cincinnati Bengals who were thought to finally part ways when Marvin Lewis ended up not doing it. So it's to me, I think this division's a little more even than some of the experts would, would make it seem. Uh, I am going against Pittsburgh because I think the Le'Veon Bell situation is going to be an impact on that franchise. Either Bell doesn't come back or Bell ruffled some feathers in the wrong direction, which is going to impact the chemistry of that team. So I'm going to go Baltimore, winning that division, and I'll I'll take the Cincinnati Bengals to finish second, Pittsburgh in third, and as much as I'd want to go out there and give the endorsement to the Cleveland Browns, the Cleveland Browns will have a better team this year. They won't go winless. Maybe they'll win four games, maybe they'll win six games. I think they'll show market improvement, but I don't think they're making a run for the playoffs. Finally, the biggest division that seems like it's already decided before it starts, and i am got to be honest, I'm not going to mess with the AFCs. I'm going to give it to the Patriots, not because of the odds, but just because I don't feel any of the other teams have grown enough. You know, Josh Allen looks like he's a little bit further away from being trusted to be the starter in Buffalo. I mean, the fact that they're starting Nathan Peterman you know, for the first week scares me. Miami looks like they're in a little bit of a denial situation. They're paying certain players certain money, but I don't know if they're really looking at themselves legitimately as a playoff team. And then you got the Jets, who I think will improve in it. If there's if there's a team that I think can go out there and win seven or eight or nine games this year, it is the New York Jets. I don't think they're going to make a run towards the Patriots. I don't think they're going to beat the Patriots head to head this year. But I, I do think the Jets have a very good chance of passing Buffalo, and a lot a lot to do with the development of the quarterbacks because I think Sam Darnold is a little more game ready, a little more ready to take you know put the clipboard on the side, go out there and lead an offense and I think that will help the Jets. The Bills are going to lose a couple games when Nathan Peterman is their quarterback. They want to go to Josh Allen. I don't know how ready Josh Allen's going to be when he's thrown out there going up there against, you know, other NFL defenses. So I think the Jets can finish past New England. I'm sorry, past Buffalo, but not quite as good as New England. So my four division winners, AFC, Kansas City, Houston, Baltimore, New England. Give me two playoff teams real quick. I'm going Oakland And I'm going to Tennessee. So Tennessee gets back to the playoffs. We'll see how it ends up working out. Once again, NFC, Seattle, Carolina, Green Bay, Giants with Minnesota and Philadelphia getting wild cards. The AFC, i got Kansas City, Houston, Baltimore, and New England with Oakland and Tennessee taking playoff spots. So we'll see how that ends up working out. We're going to get into the last segment of the show today, and of course we call that Nobody's listening and nobody's listening is the time of the program will remind the listeners that hey if you have toughened it out for 40 something minutes in a show Maybe it's time to hear something that's going to make you think a little bit if you handled and actually stood through my discussion about Realignment and division changes in Major League Baseball and listen to one person's random NFL football picks you deserve to have something that's going to make you think a little bit and this is the segment of the show where we get away from what's going on in the world of sports and we talk about something else that's not sports related I promised you I would never bring up politics and I will not do that the only thing I'll say about politics is that it needs to be abolished and the people that throw their views about politics need to understand that nobody else cares about what they think. But I do have some thoughts when it comes to political correctness. We stand there every day and we talk about anything that somebody says that's in the spotlight. You know, in some cases it's inappropriate. In some cases it's, it's said in a way that you'd say, hey, it's wrong. And that person should be punished for it. And a lot of times we try to take people that are in the spotlight that have names to them and we want to strip them of the jobs that they have. Like they feel we feel like sometimes somebody's comments should result in that person losing their job. Well, you know the only profession that exists out there that somebody doesn't have to worry about losing their job are people that are in the entertainment world, most importantly musicians, But more importantly rappers rappers seem to get that pass when we talk about the political correctness that has oversaturated this country there's people that are in entertainment there are other performers that end up having to deal with strict penalties and sometimes sanctions and being barred from different uh, you know censored from different areas but it seems like now in 2018 if you're a rapper, you can throw around and use certain words and slur races and slur different groups of people if you want and get away with it. Now, I'm not going to say that I'm overly sensitive when it comes to anything. Say whatever you want to me. Say whatever you want out there. I'm never going to say that I'm offended. But what does offend me is the fact that that we live in a society where we're going to be harder on certain people and not just as hard on other people. So I think about Eminem, and Eminem comes out with his tenth CD. You could talk about as talented as he is; he's ridiculously talented, a lyrical genius. Him and Biggie, you know, are on a on a, a, a podium by themselves. Nobody else is even close. I that's how I feel. Yeah, I remember Eminem coming out with his first album when I, you know, had my first year at college, and he's ridiculously talented. He studied, obviously, the dictionary. He knows, you know, he's a lyrical genius, but obviously a guy who, up to a certain level, yeah, he's been censored in certain areas. People have been critical of him in certain areas, but he certainly does get away with being able to say just about anything that he wants. Now, if I said some of the things that Eminem says on his songs, I, I could be blocked from you know even having a chance to produce my own show. If I was hired by a radio station and said some of the things that Eminem says over the course of his songs, I'd lose my job. Don Imus said, nappy-headed hoes. How many rappers have said something along the lines of nappy-headed hosts They'll never have to worry about losing their job, but if you have a different job and you say the same thing, you are held to a different standard. And I guess if you're asking, John, what should we do about it? I don't think there's really anything you can do about it. But just point out the hypocrisy that exists, because it absolutely is one. We live in a world where depending on what it is that you do for a living, you're going to be held accountable for saying something that is inappropriate. But if you're out there making millions of dollars off of the production of records and you perform and people buy your music, you can say whatever it is that you want to make your music. There is a certain level that isn't fair. People lose their jobs for saying things that Eminem and other rappers say. There's a word that I think should be stricken and forbidden for the English language that you hear many times in rap songs. Now once again, what should be done about it, I don't know what can be done, but there's a hypocrisy there that exists and that hypocrisy needs to be brought up more often. Certain levels of music are more censored when it comes to the things that they say. If there is something that could be considered racist or homophobic that's mentioned by a person in a different genre of music, then that person is going to face a different type of heat. But, if you say, hey, I'm a gangster rapper, you could say anything that you want. And there's no race racial undertones, or homophobic undertones, or anti-Semitic undertones that are ever taken regardless of what anybody says, and that, I'm sorry, is a hypocrisy. A little recap on the show today, and I'm glad everybody that took the time to listen did. Uh, we'll start out, obviously, by talking about a different type of formula in regards to divisions in Major League Baseball. Four divisions, you reward the team with the best record in the league by giving them a bye. The team that wins the other division gets to play the two wildcard teams, five games potentially at home. I'm going to write about it. We'll post it. We'll get up on social media, Facebook, Twitter, you know, and anywhere else. You'll be able to read it. NFL predictions, I'm going the underdog route. I, there's, I, I really believe that. difference or contrary to Major League Baseball, I don't think the NFL is very top-heavy this year. I think you could go down to about the middle of the league and say there's about 15 or 16 teams that have a legitimate chance to make a run this year. There's teams that I think will make the playoffs that didn't last year. There's teams that we're expecting to get to the playoffs this year that aren't going to do so. And once again, I'll put my post up on my website. You can take a look at it. And let me know your opinion. Just interact with the show. Please say, hey, I read it. Your picks suck, John. You don't know what the hell you're talking about. And at least I'll know that you looked at it. Finally, when we talk about the world of music, specifically as it applies to rap, is there a double standard out there that you know, if you are producing a rap album or a rap song, you have more leverage in regards to racism, homophobia, Uh, Anti Semitism than you would if you produce different other types of music or if you're in a different genre altogether. If you're on a radio, I understand there's certain things that I won't say, I won't even think about saying. But a rapper could feel, in some cases, the need to say whatever it is that they want to say, whether it's racist, whether it's homophobic, whether it's anti Semitic. Whatever it is that they want to say, they seem to have more of a freedom to be able to do that without repercussions. I think there's a hypocrisy involved. But let me take time to thank everybody for tuning into the program. We've made it now through 356 episodes of The Passball Show. And if things go well, this will be the first of the Passball shows that will be up on iTunes. So feel free, if you, if you can't get it today, maybe try it tomorrow. Download the Passball Show on iTunes. Um, Keep checking until it's up there. I'll make the announcement when I know it's official and it's officially up there. So thank everybody for tuning in. This is the Passball Show brought to you by JohnPielli.com. God bless you. And as always, I'll see you on the other side.